Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. And I encourage you, if you've been watching these last few weeks and you've been saying, you know what, I need to be prayed for or I want to be free from sickness. Here's my challenge for you. If you've been watching online, don't watch online next week. Now, there's no distance in God's ability to minister to people. But if you're within our area, come and join us in person so we can agree with you and we can celebrate with you in person. Because, again, next Sunday is going to be an amazing Sunday. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. Amen. Well, if you will, I'll have you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 9. And I'm going to get there in just a minute. But just so that if you have your Bibles, you can be already geared up. Because I'm going to read a few portions of Scripture there. But in regards to today, it's what we recognize as Palm Sunday. Now, I'm not going to give you a Palm Sunday message, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to stir you up in regards to what God's going to do next week. But in reference to Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday was preceding Jesus' uh, death, burial, and resurrection, right? And so Palm Sunday, it's called the triumphant entry or the triumphal entry as he began to make his way to all the things that he was going to endure, and if you know anything about God, God has always done that th things that way. And that is, is he's always announced the victory before there ever was a battle. When Jesus was coming in, it was called the triumphal entry. It wasn't the defeated entry. It wasn't the, oh, poor me entry. It was the triumphal entry. And therefore, triumph preceded everything that Jesus was getting ready to do. And on the backside of that, not only was Jesus triumphant, all that would receive Christ have become triumphant. Amen. So here's what my heart is today, is to share with you some things from the Word of God that would cause you to see that when we come into next Sunday, you already are triumphant. It's just a matter of receiving what God has already said is available to you. Amen? Amen. All right, so with that being said, I'm going to stretch you a little bit, all right? Allow yourself to get free. Don't worry about the person that's next to you. But I want you just to repeat a few things after. Make these declarations over yourself. How many of you know that God loves you? Amen? All right, so if you know that God loves you, make this declaration over yourself. Say, God loves me. God loves me. I'm, enough. I'm enough. I am worthy. I am worthy. I'm, qualified. I'm qualified. 
God's love is greater than my past. Greater than my failures. I'm forgiven. And I'm innocent in God's eyes. I am deserving of God's best because he loves me. Amen. Do you believe those things that you just said? Amen. Well, I realize that, you know, in theory and in our mind, we can say, yes, I know those things are true. But, you know, one of the things that I experienced or have found that when, when it comes to coming to church and we start to make those declarations over ourselves and uh, do it out loud with those around about us, there's times that we can become self-conscious, almost feel embarrassed to say something out loud, loud such as that. We may even feel a little bit corny making statements out loud about what God thinks about me. And I realize, you know, we don't like to be put on the spot and things of that nature. But here's maybe a greater truth to that idea of us feeling a little bit intimidated or corny when it comes to making confessions about what God desires or thinks or feels about us. It could be quite possible that God's love toward us is not real to us. I said it could be very well that the love of God or how much God loves us really has not become a reality to us. And for that matter, if the love of God has not truly become a reality to us, then here's one other thing that we know is that hell is not a reality to us. How many of you understand that when it comes to this life as a believer, Jesus rescued us from a fate of being separated from God and being in hell for eternity. But that is not a reality to most people, even those that are in the church. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, Jesus went to the cross, so I didn't have to go to hell. Yeah. And we say that so flippantly. But if we truly understood how real hell is and that you and I were going there before Christ... And it's only because of the love of God that I've received Christ, and therefore I'm not going to hell. If that truly became a reality to us, we would say it fervently, I know that God loves me. Because hell is a reality, and I realize what I've escaped. Now, isn't it interesting? We make those kind of confessions or declarations over ourselves, and as I said, we can kind of feel self-conscious. But have you ever noticed that when it comes to you talking about your children, I don't have to get squeamish when it comes to my children. I love them. I'll get all sloppy kissy all over them right in front of you all. <laughs> Hug them and kiss them and I love you, right? Or I'd say, you know, my kids love me. There's sometimes they don't like me, but I know that they love me, you know. And I don't say that with any reservation. Well, why? Because that is real. Are you, you understanding the the example that I'm giving to you. So once again, God desires for us to understand how real his love is towards each and every one of us. And once again, if we would recognize that, we would understand that it was sin that caused us to be separated from God. When sin entered the earth, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was an instant separation between God and us. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, 
For the wages of sin is death. So in other words, the punishment or the cost for sin is death. In fact, the scripture tells us this, that in regards to sin, sin was the open door to poverty. There was never such a thing as poverty before sin entered the earth. There was no such thing as anxiety and depression and stress before sin entered the earth. There was no such thing as sickness and disease and death from sickness and disease before sin entered the earth. And so once again, the Bible tells us that for the wages of sin is death. There is a price that comes because of sin. But how many of you realize that sin was already paid for? In fact, there's this idea that, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a wretched sinner. If you're a Christian, if you've received Christ, you are no longer a sinner. And if you still think that you're a sinner, then you're going to walk in defeat because Jesus paid the price for sin. In fact, I'll go as far to say this, that there is not a sin problem in the earth anymore. Because Jesus paid the price 100% for sin. The only thing that plagues man is the fact that they have a decision. What will I do with this Jesus that paid the price for my sin? Do I receive him or do I deny him? Amen? And so once again, there's something about this sin that infected the world. And I don't want us to be sin conscious, but I want to draw your attention to the fact that it was sin that brought about sickness and disease. If you've ever experienced cancer, in fact, once again, you might deal with sinuses and allergies and you've just got accustomed. Well, my allergies, you know, I'm just, I've always lived this way or I've got this particular thing going on or I've got an allergic reaction to and whatever the case might be. Sin is the cause of that. And so therefore, if sin has already been dealt with, then hasn't that thing been dealt with as, as well? Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But here's something I want, I want to draw to your attention here. And that is over in John chapter 9. John chapter 9. And I said, because of this sin or because of sin and what it has done to infect this world, there was a time when people were more aware of the cause or the causes of sin. And so I want to draw your attention here to John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And we'll take some moments to take some rabbit trails, if you don't mind. But it says this. It says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So did you notice here that his disciples said to him in regards to his sickness, who sinned that caused this sickness to come about? Are you seeing this? They were aware that sin was a cause. But now, with anything, how many of you know that when it comes to this whole sin issue, religion has taken a sin and ran it in the ditch? 
And what I mean by that is that religion wants to always point out your faults. Uh, Religion always wants to make sure that you're aware of how bad you are. And how you've made mistakes and how much you need Jesus. Well, you, you don't need to search very far to realize that, you know, you've got issues. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you've got issues. <laughs> right? <laughs> but once again, religion always wants to point the finger. And look at what these disciples did. They said, who sinned his parents or him that was born blind? Now, how, did I, how do I know that they ran this in the ditch? Or how do I know that they were looking at it from a judgmental, religious perspective? Because they asked the question, did his parents or this man sin that caused him to be blind? But if you read in the scripture, the Bible says that he was born blind. So if you're born blind... And they're inferring that the sickness was caused by him sinning. That means that he would have had to sin in his mother's womb. And is that possible? Well, maybe for you. (laughs) (laughs) Is it possible to sin while you're still incubating inside a mama's tummy? No. So we see that religion took this thing to another degree. And it was being judgmental, right? But once again, they were still conscious of the fact that sickness and disease was a byproduct of sin. But now, Jesus, he responds, and he says, neither, neither sinned. But then he goes on to say, and he begins to give reason. He says, this was an occasion. Now, once again, there, we have been told or been taught many times that in regards to this scripture... That God was using this sickness or caused this man to be sick so that he could use this as an opportunity. And that is not what the scripture infers. If you begin to study out that scripture, you'll find that the scripture actually says, in fact, for that matter, Jesus is really disregarding his question. Has anybody ever asked you questions or your kids? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you just ignore them. It's kind of a weekly basis for me. <laughs> are, we there? are we there yet? When we get there, you'll know. Right? So what's he doing? He's not entering into the religious thinking or debate with them. He says neither. But the actual text defined is as this. This is an opportunity for God to show his love through me. This is an opportunity Now, why was there an opportunity? Because of sin, the earth is in a fallen state. There is sickness and disease in this earth as a result of the fall of man. In fact, you know the Bible says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you know that there's enough bacteria and germs and bugs in the air that we breathe that it would kill you unless what God did in your body caused you to live and fight it off through your immune system? But yet we just take it for granted. But the fact of the matter is, is that we live in this fallen world, and therefore there is sickness and disease. But Jesus said, now, here's just an opportunity. I'm not even going to get into the conversation of this religious talk. He says, it's just time to work the works of him who sent me. It's time to do something to minister to this young man that was blind from birth. Amen? Are you seeing this? 
All right, so now with that being said, again, as we continue to see this, we see that sin did not detour God's desire to heal this man that was blind. Even though sin was what was on the table or at question. And this was before Jesus went to the cross. So we see that sin was not a deterrent for God to love him enough to heal him. And just like the disciples trying to point fingers, isn't that what religion or isn't that what the devil does to you on a regular basis? Well, you know what you did. You know how you've messed up. You know what you could do and should do. So what makes you think that next week when we pray for people that need healing in their body, that you're going to be one of them? Well, if God's love surpassed the sin that was in that man or in the earth and he still healed them, don't you think that you are qualified just as well? Well, if you don't know, then I'll say, yes, you are. You're qualified just as much as he was. Even more so because of he, him going to the cross. Amen. All right, so with that being said, let me, uh, again, draw your attention to this particular chapter in, or chapter 9. But before we get there, let me re refresh your memory or remind you of this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 39, it says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing or no thing shall separate us from the love of God. So you might say, man, I've got a bad past. God's love for you supersedes your past. You might say, man, you don't know what I was dealing with last night. God's love supersedes last night. What you're feeling right now, guilt, shame, anxiety, Things in the past that you refuse to let go of, that you feel that you, you owe it to yourself to remember and torture yourself because of the past. God's love surpasses what has ever happened or what you ever have done in your past. Therefore, you're qualified to receive healing in your body. Come on, say it out loud with me. Say, I'm qualified. Look at your neighbor and say, you're qualified. Amen. All right. So as we look at this here, I want to... Pick up just as we were reading here. It says, um, if I can find it. It is some tiny print. There. <laughs> so I got my trifocals with the extra zoom lens in there. <laughs> All right, I want to pick up with verse 6. All right. It says, when he had said these things, this is in regards to the man that was born blind. He says, and when he had said these things, he sped on the ground and made clay with his saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Woo, come on. Somebody say he was seeing. Say that man got healed. He came back seeing. It says, and therefore the neighbors of those who, who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this who sat and begged? And some said, no, this is he's. Another said, no, he's just like the man, but that's not him. But the, the man says, no, it's me. It's me. And in verse 10, it says, therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. And then they said to him, well, where is he? And he says, I don't know. And then they brought him in, 
uh, uh, who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees are the religious leaders. Now, I don't know what your background is in church, and I don't know what you've been taught. But if you've been taught anything else that Jesus is still the healer, then you've been taught by religion. And I know that that's a strong statement, but it's true. And the Pharisees were the religious leaders. They knew the word of God, but they functioned from a place of being religious. And therefore, they were judgmental and saying, it just don't make sense. All right, are you ready to continue to read? Um, I lost my place here. Where are we at? 14, thank you. It says, now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened up his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay in my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, well, how can this man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. Verse 17 says, and then they said to the blind man again. What do you say about him who opened your eyes? And he said, well, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him and that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, is this your son who said that he was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we don't know. He is of age. Ask him, and he will speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they were fearful of the Jews, for the Jews were, uh, uh, had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, that he would be put, off, uh, put out of the synagogue. Verse 23, therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they asked, or so they again called the man who was blind, and they said to him, giving God the glory? Uh, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know is that uh, uh, though I was blind, I now see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Notice these last words in verse 27. He answered them, I told you already and you didn't listen. He says, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? So what's my point in taking the time to read that? Did you see that religion kept beating him up to say this cannot be, it shouldn't be, it's not supposed to be? So let's ask you again in hopes that we get a different answer. And finally, out of frustration, he says, I've already told you. What more do you want to hear? Do you want to become a disciple? And isn't that what we have allowed the devil to do to us in our lives, in our church, through religion, through tradition, through past experiences that maybe didn't work the way we wanted to, and therefore the devil says, well, it wasn't for you. And therefore we come to this understanding that it must not be available to everybody, that it's not God's desire, that somehow I don't qualify. But we see here there is a man that says, Jesus healed me. And he did nothing to receive other than being in the right place at the right time. Are you seeing what we're talking about this morning?
Amen. Religion is wanting to say that it didn't happen, can't happen. But once again, we also see that it's religion that brings accusations that says you can't or shouldn't be healed. Now, once again, you might come here this uh, next week and all week long, you might be saying, I hope I will. I hope I will. I hope I will. I hope I will. Why are you hoping? Because one thing that I know is that Jesus, the healer, is going to show up next week. Well, if Jesus, the healer, is here, what means that you're not going to receive? Because you're already qualified. Amen. Say it with me. Say, I'm qualified. If you recall, Jesus has said this. He said, I've come to do the will of the Father who sent me. So he is making a declaration, the things that I do... In fact, let me pause, because so many people will say that Jesus did this to prove his deity. And I could take a lot of time to explain why that's not true and define it by the scripture. But Jesus said, I've come to do the will of the Father. Nowhere in the scripture does it say, I've come to prove who I am. No, he says, I've come to reveal the heart of dad. And dad says that not even sin will cause him to not desire to heal you. Because nothing can separate you from daddy's love. I've come to work the works of him who sent me. And what did the works look like? He ministered to the sick. And when religion said you don't qualify, he says God loves you in spite of it. Now receive. Amen. So if you have to look in the mirror all week long before you go to work this morning or go to work in the morning, as you're getting ready, combing your hair, brushing your teeth, you tell yourself, I qualify. I'm qualified. I'm going to receive this Sunday. This Sunday is my day. It's a day that I'm coming to complete health in my body. That thing's going away. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What are you doing? You're stirring your faith. Let me share another scripture with you here. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Notice what this says. Again, this is in regards to Jesus ministering to the sick. And it says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Did you notice the big question or the elephant in the room? The leper knew that Jesus could... He was only questioning, or his big hang-up was, is, are you willing? Hello? What hangs you up? Well, you know God is God. He's the creator of all things. If God wants to, he can, because I know that he has the ability to do so. But what causes us to get hang up? Whether or not he's willing to, or whether he will for me. Right? But now let me give you a couple different uh, translations of that particular scripture. When he asked the man, he says, Lord, he says, uh, if you're willing, I know that you can. Notice what this one translation, Jesus responds and says, well, of course I want to be cured. Another translation says this, I'm desiring it with all my heart. Be cleansed at once. So if you come in next week asking the question, Does God desire to heal me? Is Jesus going to heal my body? Does God love me enough? His answer is, of course I do. I'm willing. I want to be healed. Amen. 
I'm telling you, it's a good day if you can get your thinking on straight and allow yourself to not be moved by religion. Religion will always point to why you can't qualify or why you're not more than enough. But say it with me. Say, I'm more than enough. Jesus said, I'm coming to do the will of my Father. I'm willing. All right, so let me take you back to the very beginning of when we started this. Say this again with me. Say, God loves me. I'm enough. I am worthy. I am qualified. God's love is greater than my past. Greater than my failure. I am forgiven. And I'm innocent before God. I deserve God's best because he loves me. Come on, are you believing that this morning? Are you starting to feel it on the inside that I just might be able to receive? Come on, say it with me. Say, I'm special. Look to your neighbor and say, yeah, you're special. <laughs> Come on, God loves you. God's just wanting to meet you where you're at. Amen. Now, once again, as we conclude this, as we begin to draw your attention to the goodness of God and his desire to heal you. In John chapter 8, you know the scripture. In fact, why don't you all just stand up as we close this out? In John chapter 8. This is the story of the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, I want you to see this picture here. Because remember I said that religion will always accuse you of why you're in the wrong. And once again, these were the religious leaders that brought this woman before Jesus. And once again, did you notice it says she was caught in the act so what does that mean? That means that religion was looking to catch it. They must have staked out her house and said, ah, we know what she's doing. Let's get her. And that's what the enemy is consistently doing to you to try to catch you in the wrong so that you feel condemned and unworthy. But Jesus said, I've qualified you. They brought this woman before Jesus and said, Jesus, what shall we do? Looking to catch him in his words. And you know the story. He knelt down and drew in the sand. And then he said these words. He says, you that are without sin, you cast the first stone. And then the Bible says that they left one by one, starting with the oldest to the youngest. And then he looked up and said to her, where's your accusers? Where are those that are saying you're guilty? Where are the ones that have been telling and haunting you to say that you're unqualified? And she says, there is none. And he says, neither do I. By the law, she should have been stoned to death. But mercy... And the love of God saw beyond and said that no sin will detour the love of God for no thing shall separate you from the love of God. Go your way, sin no more. And she was free from that day. 
when you come next Sunday, I want you to realize that it's your day. It's your time. Because God loves you. And you're qualified. So come with an expectation. And you just might sense through the week the devil starts talking to you. Well, you know what makes you think. Oh, you might as well stay home and sleep in. If the devil starts working on you, it's because he knows what's at store or in store for you just in a matter of a few days. So just get happy and stirred up the joy on the inside. And <laughs> devil, if you're trying to keep me from church and trying to talk me out of it, that just means all the more that God's wanting to minister to me and I'm going to receive my healing on Easter Sunday, 2022. Praise God. Amen. So let's say it once again before we go. Say it with me. Say, God loves me. God loves me. I'm more than enough. I am worthy. I am qualified. God's love for me is greater than my past. Greater than my failures. I'm forgiven. And I am innocent in Christ. And I deserve God's best. Because He loves me. Do you believe it? Come on, let's shout God's praise. Amen. Praise God. We glorify you. Hallelujah. God, you're worthy and you're still the healing God because you love us. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room, those that are watching online, those that will be coming to this place next Sunday. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the love of God to be in manifestation, for the glory of God to be revealed, and for miracle signs and wonders, and those that would be healed by the love of God. Not to say, oh, we're trying to do uh, uh, parlor tricks. No, we're putting God on display because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Pray. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.